The most recent crypto bull market has finally arrived. But yet I find a lot of skepticism and questions while out and about about crypto's use case in the real world, and what value it can offer. I aim to give a few examples in today's episode to show how crypto can be a technology that puts more power into more hands. Technology is advancing at a rate that potentially we are arriving at a crossroads as to whether we use this technology to benefit the many or technology ends up just benefiting just a few. Crypto promises to bring more people into the overall global economy and can limit the impact of inflation driven by governments consistently debasing their own currencies with the uh, unending money printing uh, that it looks like we're going to see more of in 2021. Welcome to the Good Samaritan Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Jackson. Welcome to episode 22. Let's get into cryptocurrency and the promise of freedom. Welcome to episode 22. We're going to talk more about crypto. If you guys have been paying attention or if you haven't been paying attention uh, as of right now, this morning or this afternoon on January 2nd of 2021, I'm looking at my Coinbase app uh, on my phone and Bitcoin is currently sitting at $33,030.48. Um if you've been paying attention in the last couple of months, Bitcoin has pretty much broken all time highs consistently uh, since uh, November, uh, pretty much right around Thanksgiving after it had actually a pretty significant uh, pullback. And ever since we had that pullback uh, around Thanksgiving, uh, we've, we've gone not, done nothing but uh, break through all time highs. Uh, Ethereum right Behind it hasn't had its explosive growth yet, but there's a, a lot of talk that its time is coming, but it's currently sitting at uh, $782 uh, per coin. So a lot of uh, things happen in crypto. It looks like, uh, as I mentioned in the intro, the bull market is here uh, and it's just the beginning. 2021 should be uh, one that will be very, very profitable, um, hopefully for a lot of uh, crypto investors. So I'm looking forward to the ride uh, into this year. Uh, but to start off, Happy New Year. Uh, welcome to 2021. Uh, 2020 is behind us. Uh, obviously, we're still uh, obviously enduring the pandemic as well. It uh, looks like the, in the, here in the U.S., we're uh, struggling a bit with the rollout of the of the vaccine. So hopefully that will pick up. And by summer, uh, your boy can travel because I'm definitely uh, ready to ready to travel again and, and move a, a little more freely in life. Uh, but let's get into this episode. Uh, I want to bring it back to crypto. Uh, based on just how the markets are uh, starting to be, uh, the buzz is starting to really get out into uh, the world. Uh, mainstream Rennie actually isn't even covering it yet. Uh, most of the investors uh, that have been buying or the bulk of the uh, Bitcoin, for example, that has been bought the last few months has come from institutional investors. Uh, so companies like Grayscale are doubling down. I actually just read an article on Cointelegraph. Uh, that Grayscale bought three times as much Bitcoin in the month of December uh, than, than was mined uh, for the month of December, which means they bought three times as much as new Bitcoin that went in circulations, which means uh, the rest of the Bitcoin they bought had to come from sellers and people who owned a Bitcoin already and were selling them on exchanges. So uh, there seems to be a very small amount of uh, supply out in the market uh, and buyers are starting to get really bullish on crypto. Hence the uh, really rapid rise uh, in prices. 
Um, so that's uh, kind of some of the excitement behind crypto and why I wanted to do this episode. I'm actually going to do another episode right behind it uh, to talk about more about my personal portfolio and start to cover some of the, the coins that I have in there. So uh, we'll get into it. I, I first want to uh, kind of hit off the, uh, as I mentioned in the intro, I uh, talked about the societal crossroads that we may be at as a society um, based on uh, really the investments in technology. Uh, and it's uh, kind of putting us at a crossroads and where we, you know, what path we want to choose uh, as as a society, uh, whether, you know, that technology uh, will be used to pretty much, you know, help the help a, a small few continue to um, gain a significant advantage uh, over the many. Uh, if you know, obviously, companies like Amazon and uh, Airbnb, et cetera, et cetera, um, or, or even Uber, uh, they, they leverage technology because of the product productivity and the efficiency in that technology. Uh, they're able to capitalize on the profits uh, pretty much from every transaction uh, that exists on their platform. So a very uh, small amount of people uh, gets to benefit hugely uh, versus the actual um, value being offered through the platform uh, from, uh, for example, with um, uh, with Airbnb. Uh, the the majority of the work or the majority of the productivity in the transaction is happening between the buyer and the the seller of the space. So you have the person who's renting, and then you have the person who's uh, offering you know money to rent. Uh, and Airbnb plays that mediary um, in between, and they take a fee for every uh, transaction they help uh, facilitate through their platform. Uh, I want to just start there as just an example of that being kind of a path of a a centralized um, way that technology is currently being run um, and all of our, you know, interactions are are running through that that platform. So, uh, you know, Airbnb has access to all the data for both buyers and sellers on dates and when people have interacted, what amount of money they've charged. Um, and pretty much anything that exists on that transaction, whether that be credit card numbers, bank account numbers, uh, et cetera, et cetera, uh, will go through uh, their platform. So they're able to, if they wanted to, and I don't, I wouldn't say that they are, but just using the example of, of the situation, um, that that power can be be leveraged by a few amount of people. Um, on the other side, though, as we've talked about crypto, as you've heard me talk about crypto uh, on my podcast, uh, the other crossroad or the other opportunity we have um, is one that is a decentralized world that really helps you know maintain our essential freedoms and rights. So I've used uh, Airbnb as a good example in the past of um, crypto. If there was a crypto company that uh, were to compete with Airbnb, and to leverage smart contracts instead to be the intermediary, uh, you're able to deliver more of that value back between the buyer and seller of the space, uh, opposed to uh, the intermediary uh, getting you know such huge amounts of um, profits and access to to money. Uh, and you use the technology to be the intermediary, <clears throat> therefore helping to bring prices down for both the buyer uh, and the seller. Uh, so I, that's always a good example of what uh, the promise of crypto is and what it, it what it can allow for people to bring. Um, but as I kind of use that exa- example, if you kind of think about technology, you know, at this point is evolving where uh, it can bring into 
you know, it can bring into fruition one or the other, um, whether that be a, you know, a more centralized uh, world that can be, you know, surveilled or censored uh, because such a small group of people are able to control the technology uh, versus a more decentralized world that uh, allows more people to participate uh, in the technology and no, you know, singular entity or singular or small uh, group of people uh, have the ability uh, to control a marketplace or have access to uh, ample amount of data. Crypto offers uh, privacy as well, which is uh, some of the concerns of, of our government. So there's it's still very early and a lot of things are, are still being worked out. Um, but definitely crypto promises to uh, to provide the future. And I'll give another a great example of that, of what, what I mean by where we are in that crossroads and how uh, on one side, a small group of people can use technology to, cons- you know, surveil, censor or even control larger groups of people. Uh, and on the other side, the technology allows for people to, you know, more people to have uh, more power over their lives and not allow a small group of people to to control them. So this example I actually pulled uh, from an article um, the uh, it's actually about uh, a situation that happened in the country of Nigeria. Um, they actually recently officially became the second largest Bitcoin market on uh, Paxful, uh, which is an exchange you can uh, purchase uh, cryptocurrencies uh, just behind the U.S. Um, and this past October um, in Nigeria, citizens really took to the streets to protest police brutality. very similar to what we've done in America this year. Uh, and in, a, in the midst of this effort of, you know, citizens in Nigeria um, protesting police, police brutality, uh, they were beginning to really raise funds to support uh, their effort and their cause to help reduce police brutality. However, in response, uh, the government actually shut down, shut out protesters uh, from using the local payment platforms from collecting donations um, and this is pretty significant if you can kind of think about the infringement on uh, the freedoms of these uh, group of processors and and you kind of and you can kind of think about that a government and again I say government or a small group of people um, has the ability to shut down all of the local payment platforms. Uh, on the web in Nigeria with the the flick of a button because, you know, they as a group of people don't like uh, that protesters um, are um, protesting against police brutality and, you know, raising funds to try to help uh, change things. And what what the what really was so what so what ends up happening is. Uh, these uh, local pro- these protesters seeing that they can't use the local uh, payment systems and the local pay- payment platforms immediately switch to using Bitcoin uh, and raise four hundred thousand dollars worth uh, of Bitcoin or fourteen point seven eight Bitcoin at the time. Uh, fourteen point seven eight Bitcoin, I think, is significantly more than four hundred K now. I believe this story was back in September, um, but that's a, that's another topic I'll discuss on the next show. Um, But this is a really a great example of how crypto can help preserve the essential freedoms of people uh, by decentralizing the control of money. Um, The Nigerian government at the time literally exercised 
uh, controlling of the currency because they didn't, you know, they didn't agree with uh, citizens protesting police brutality and wanting to raise funds for it. Um, where Bitcoin comes in is that Bitcoin is decentralized. Uh, no government can uh, shut it down. Uh, it, as we've probably known during Barack Obama's um, um, presidency, there is a lot of talk about uh, cryptocurrencies and the concern and the you know governments uh, trying to hack into these systems. Uh, these cryptographic systems since uh, cryptocurrency, which makes them so secure, which is why they are uh, so popular and why they are only increasing in value uh, because they are so secure. Um, and no one, no entity can, you know, control uh, Bitcoin itself. No one can go in and shut down um, Bitcoin in regards to the processing of payments. If I want to send Bitcoin right now, uh, across the world, uh, I can do that uh, on the internet without paying some huge fee to, to an intermediary, uh, without uh, fear from uh, the Nigerian government deciding, hey, we don't want, you know, Jason doesn't, we don't, we want to control Jason's money and he can't make this, this purchase because we deemed uh, that necessary. That's uh, one of the freedoms uh, in the societal crossroads, as I mentioned, that we're at, that uh, cryptocurrency offers and why it's starting to continue to to increase uh, in value because you have infringements uh, on the freedoms of citizens all over the world uh, and cryptocurrency uh, in this example um, has shown that it can it can help preserve uh, freedom and rights of the many uh, versus the agendas uh, of a few elites uh, in power uh, and that, that's kind of really my first example of how crypto can uh, really provide freedom. I <laughs> I never thought I would mention Kanye West uh, because Kanye has obviously been through a lot since I started listening to him back when I was in middle school. Um, but this is what I, be I think he means when he said uh, on Joe Rogan's podcast uh, that uh, Bitcoin and the cryptocurrency guys are about the liberation of man. Uh, and this is a, a great example, albeit um, something that happened uh, in Nigeria in a different part of the, the world. And it is this crossroads as a society, it is very evident as on one side, technology has given government more power to censor and restrict any policies or ideas they deem improper. Uh, while another technology, the crypto technology, uh, really helps maintain the freedom and rights of the many uh, versus being subjugated to, you know, the control of a very few elite uh, governments or um, or powerful people from different companies, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so for my fellow Americans who you know may only see these issues afflicting uh, other places, uh, please remember, we have our own examples of uh, government or our own government really um, stretching its power um, uh, over 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 ourselves. And I, I'm sure uh, you could <laughs> I'm sure this has been a lot of topics and a lot of uh, conspiracy theories out there. But I will I'll stay in facts. Um, if you know anything about FDR and I, I would ask you to know your history, I, I'm a, a bit of a history buff. So there are, are things you start to connect um, um, 
as you as you go forward, uh, one of the best pieces of advice that I received uh, from a very wealthy guy was to to study history. And I didn't understand what history had to do with money uh, until you start to real <laughs> until you start to realize that history rhymes and uh, you kind of see patterns uh, and they helped you and they help you uh, react uh, in the appropriate way to capitalize on it to to hopefully profit in the future. Um, but initially, I did not understand that advice when I got it. But uh, back to the topic at hand. So um, if you know anything about uh, FDR, Frank De- Franklin Delano Roosevelt, uh, U.S. president, uh, he did sign an executive order, 6102, uh, which pretty much forced all U.S. citizens to sell their gold uh, well below market rates at the time to the government. The government at the time was uh, dealing with a economic calamity. Uh, and they were uh, pretty much trying to get all of the actual gold uh, in the country uh, into the hands uh, of the government. So uh, citizens were paid for this gold uh, at the time. You did have citizens who actually went to court uh, over uh, this executive order. Uh, but um, to, to be as di- blunt and direct as I can put it, our, our government uh and our president at that time wrote into law um, that required the forceful sale uh, of gold that was in the hands of citizens uh, to the government. So uh, always uh, keep your ears to the ground and always pay attention and don't think that um, we're not always, you know, also fighting for our own freedom uh, here in America. We enjoy a lot of freedom uh, but I would say there are a lot of citizens who uh, keep their eyes peeled uh, to make sure that those those freedoms aren't uh, continually infringed upon uh, because our, our government, uh, let's not say that they are the uh, the perfect epitome of how to uh, exercise power uh, in a in a country that that values uh, and protects freedom in the way that uh, that we uh, try to do. Um so there's a, there's that one example. And then from my, the other big example is actually more recent. Uh, if anyone uh, knows about the story about Edward Snowden uh, in the PRISM program that was happening in the U.S. government, uh, I believe started at the end of Bush's term uh, and then went into uh, Barack Obama's term uh, as president. Um, our country pretty much was leveraging technology uh, to build this massive uh, structured program that pretty much infringed on the privacy uh, of anyone who had any data on the internet, which pretty much was all of us, um, and sucked that up into this huge vacuum, um, which has pretty much made people skeptical of technology uh, going forward. Uh, but just a couple of examples to really show uh, what I mean by us being at a crossroads here. Uh, as a as a society, because the technology is advancing at such a at such a clip uh, that um, very small amounts of people are starting to uh, really see levels of power that have never uh, really been attained in the past. Uh, and there's if there's anything that uh, we all know about uh, power is that absolute power corrupts absolutely. And as much as we may trust any uh, elected politician, no matter what side uh, they may, they may be elected from, uh, technology is starting to deliver uh, amounts of power uh, that even the humblest of persons 
um, may not be able to say no to or will justify uh, leveraging. Um, and cryptocurrency uh, offers to put uh, some of that power uh, back in the hands of people uh, via uh, via, you know, the money supply. Uh, and you guys have heard me talk numerous times about inflation uh, and the printing of money, uh, even on the, the and I won't even say the eve. It looks like the most recent stimulus bill and those uh, stimulus checks started to hit bank accounts, I believe, on Tuesday uh, at the, on the uh, right before uh, Christmas Eve uh, last or this past week, um, which is only going to continue to debase the currency and continue to um, make your money worth less. Uh, going forward. So uh, that's that's kind of the first point I want to get there. I want to actually transition that to another uh, big example, um, which actually is in the country of China, uh, in which they're using technology to implement uh, something called a social credit score, uh, which pretty much um, leverages a big data system, just like uh, we were um, leveraging PRISM here in the U.S., um, but not to the extent that the Chinese are now leveraging uh, this system in a way uh, that you are giving a financial credit score. You also uh, now in China can be given a social uh, credit score uh, based on all this data that they're tracking uh, now. And they use this system to reward and punish uh, its citizens, which is uh, I want to say kind of scary is scary. Um, the score uh, pretty much can impact every portion uh, of your life and a low score can exclude you from uh, well-paying jobs, uh, make it impossible for you to get a house or a car, uh, even slow your Internet connection down. Um, or prevent your kids from attending a, a private school. Or even if your uh, social credit score drops low enough, uh, the government can have you potentially arrested and sent to a re-education camp. These are all things that are of, of grave concern. And you match this with facial recognition tech and GPS phone locations. And you really hear the concepts of uh, even 1984 coming to life or uh, the eventual precursor to a psychopath or minority report. Uh, like society, uh, this, like I said before, lends to that old that old adage of absolute power corrupting absolutely. Um, technology is providing power to a very small amount of people uh, on one side, uh, and then there are also technologies out there uh, like cryptocurrencies that uh, will provide more power uh, and more. In, in larger amounts of people's hands. So maybe there can at least be um, a, a checks and balances, if you if you say kind of like the way uh, the U.S. government uh, is designed is can it be perfect? No, but can it um, can at least hedge against uh, maybe one authority uh, controlling, uh, you know, the, the lives and the uh, abilities on how one chooses to live their life uh, over um, millions or even billions of people in China's case, uh, over a billion people. So, uh, last example I'll give there kind of the crossroads you're at while I'm a big fan of, of cryptocurrencies and why I thought it was a, a great time to talk about it now. Cause I think, uh, there are people out there who, uh, value cryptocurrencies in a different way. I've given the example of Venezuela, uh, Nigeria provides a great example. 
Uh, and then obviously China has an even larger example, uh, as you can see with their social uh, credit score system. Uh, but moving on to the next, the next, the next point I want to make on today's show, and, and it's really uh, in relation to China, and really speaking of of China, according to a recent article in Reuters.com, uh, the Chinese economy is now set to leapfrog the U.S. as the world's biggest uh, by 2028. Now, uh, so this uh, estimation actually was moved up five years. Uh, because of the huge differences and how the uh, the countries really handled the pandemics um, early on. So, you know, as you might know, China, China did a legit lockdown. Uh, if you were on the street, I mean, you almost went to jail. I mean, there were there were even human rights infringements uh, the way that China locked down. But it, you know, it helped them get past the pandemic, uh, obviously, a lot better than uh, what we are experiencing in the U.S. as we are uh, every day breaking through new record highs and uh, new hospitalizations uh, as we are <clears throat> as we continue to, to pretty much stay open. Um, but with that said, because of the, the way we've handled the handled the, the pandemics, uh, China's economy, which has been chasing uh, the U.S. for quite a while, I actually think it's uh, a part of the reason why the us as a country and our leaders wanted to reopen the economy uh, is because there's this uh, lingering uh, threat in the background of China, um, you know, potentially, uh, potentially passing us in the future. And now uh, that date has potentially moved up to, to 2028. Uh, and the rise of the Chinese economy to the top will definitely impact uh, the pecking order across the world. I'm sure you might have heard about the uh, the threat to the U.S. dollar as a U.S. reserve currency. There's a lot of debate over this now. A lot of people, um, some people don't believe it can it can ever happen. Others uh, definitely disagree. Uh, if you look at the history of uh, reserve currencies, it looks like they last about 100 years. So I believe our currency uh, has been the reserve currency uh, for over 100 years. Funny. Uh, funny you you kind of look at it like that, but uh, I think the uh, the Chinese and the yuan uh, have um, probably been preparing or are trying to prepare their currency uh, to be the world's uh, national reserve currency. Um, and the the big reason of why this matters to you as a a, a common U.S. A citizen, if the if the U.S. dollar uh, ever lost the reserve status. Uh, it could it could easily lead to a, a 25 percent drop uh, in the uh, the lifestyles that we live because the 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 world will be uh, doing transactions in a different currency than ours, which would then lead to uh, the value of our currency continuing to drop even more. Um, this fear has increased uh, because of the way that we're printing money or the way that we're debasing uh, our our currency at the moment. Uh, I don't believe this is imminent, um, but things could change. Um, if you don't know anything about the IMF or the International Monetary Fund, uh, they are you know they have already approved. It's already approved that you know four other uh, reserve currencies are kind of sitting in the wings: uh, the euro, the British pound sterling, the Japanese yen, and then the Chinese uh, yuan. So. Um, it, 
this is really important to to understand because the whole reason why those currencies are already approved and kind of sitting in the wings is to really keep, you know, policymakers here in the U.S. honest uh, about the dollar and not really, you know, lead the dollar down a damaging path like regularly uh, printing money and debasing the currency, which is exactly uh, what we've been doing is uh, regularly uh, printing money in uh, debasing the currency. Um, so if, you know, if foreign governments or investors decided to switch away from the U.S. dollar in a in a, in a huge amount of um, dollars being transitioned, uh, that would significantly hurt anyone with assets denominated in dollars. And who has their assets denominated in dollars? Yes, every pretty much every American citizen uh, in our country, maybe not the wealthiest. I'm sure they're d- diversified and maybe uh, on the level where they're in different in different currencies uh, around the world. And I actually would say that might not help very much because all the other currencies that I just mentioned um, that are in that uh, wing of reserve currency status that have been approved by the IMF are also doing a lot of the same <laughs> same things, uh, printing money and debasing uh, the currency. So I say all that to uh, really put it on your mind of, again, another um, um, another advantage of cryptocurrency is it can help. It helps preserve and keeps the value of your money. I, I, fo- I follow token metrics. So a shout out to Ian Bellinif, but definitely follow token metrics if you're looking to invest in crypto more. Um but at the end of the day, uh, one of the big things that he says is it's going to be a financial crime not to be in crypto uh, in the future because everyone's printing money, not just in our country uh, here in the U.S., but everyone's printing money. Uh, and the average person is the one who's going to uh, get hurt the most, uh, whether that be the if the U.S. dollar loses its reserve status, whether it doesn't lose its reserve status, it's still going to lose value because uh, we keep pumping money into the economy to help buoy the economy. Uh, and eventually that money printing uh, will come to to hurt uh, a significant uh, amount of people in the future. I think um, uh, our leaders, particularly uh, from the Fed, will realize probably uh, early to mid 2020s that rates will have to go up. Um, and when rates go up, uh, the economy is going to is going to uh, get hurt pretty significantly. The last time the Fed started to even raise rates, uh, the economy started to slow down pretty significantly. So they reversed uh, course there, started, you know, dropping rates significantly. And oh, by the way, then the, then a pandemic showed up, which made, you know, kind of gut punch the economy that was already kind of trucking on on life support. So there uh, there are a lot of things happening around you uh, that impact your money uh, and the value of your money and what uh, that money can ultimately purchase, which leads to ultimately what kind of lifestyle you can have and whether you can own assets in the future uh, or not, if you you can if you can recognize what happens with inflation, as we've talked about before on this podcast, is when those prices go up. Uh, but you're making the same uh, money year after year, or you know, quietly is kept the the quiet thief we know as inflation. Uh, you'll wake up one day and you won't be able to afford to buy a lot of things that were very normal uh, in this country, like home ownership. 
Um, it's become increasingly difficult to uh, buy a home because housing prices have skyrocketed. Uh, and this is all being helped by uh, inflation um, uh, out in our out in our uh, economy. So. This is really just a second big point to pay attention to what's happening around you, what cryptocurrency offers, uh, because and this is not all cryptocurrencies, particularly Bitcoin, but not every cryptocurrency uh, is deflationary, has a set cap limit on how many is in the market. But since Bitcoin is the most popular, um, this cannot happen. Uh, It cannot. uh, Bitcoin, at least as it stands now, cannot uh, be created uh, out of thin air. Uh, which prevents uh, the debasement uh, of the currency, which is why uh, prices will continue to rise uh, because there's a low supply. You have a lot of institutional buyers who have come to the market to purchase Bitcoin, which has driven the prices prices up to where we are now uh, and will continue to drive the prices up uh, going into the future. If you want to have a more direct rundown on Bitcoin, uh, definitely check out my episode uh, on uh, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. Uh, to to have a a better understanding of Bitcoin and the blockchain uh, technology. So that's really just the the second point I wanted to make there on what's kind of really happening uh, out in the world, uh, why cryptocurrency offers a a promise of freedom to uh, the many people that uh, exist uh, in the world uh, opposed to uh, the technologies that are being created uh, that are kind of infringing on those freedoms, whether it be privacy, whether it be uh, following you around the Internet, uh, looks like following you around the world uh, is also uh, continually being developed uh, as um, there will only be more and more cameras in society, uh, cameras on drones, uh, and those machines will are only learning to get better and better and better. Uh, at recognizing uh, who you are. Uh, so as those technologies uh, continue to increase and to grow, um, governments and, and uh, people in a very small uh, group will continue to leverage those technologies to their advantage. Uh, my uh, advice to you is also support the technologies that help uh, advantage you as an individual and it helps advantage society uh, in general. I don't think any of us uh, want a too small a group of people to have um, an increasing amount of power uh, over the rest of us because there's nowhere else for us to go. This is the only planet that we all uh, have to live on and to share uh, uh, equally, hopefully, as best as we can. Um, But to help fight inequality uh, when it comes to uh, financial, um, your financial standing in the world, uh, cryptocurrencies definitely uh, will help to provide that. Uh, if you're looking to get into crypto, like I mentioned, Token Metrics is a great place to go to um, uh, to sign up and learn there. Uh, there are plenty of other books I have recommended in the past that definitely you should uh, consider. And I hope you consider to um, look more into cryptocurrencies uh, and what they can mean for the world. Uh, I believe I believe 10% of all assets will be tokenized uh, in the future. This was a stat rec- uh, that w- this was a stat given out by the World Economic Forum. Uh, so the freedom is uh, the future is coming, um, and just make sure you're awake uh, to 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 capitalize on it before it, before it gets here, uh, because blockchain technologies are here to stay. Uh, cryptocurrencies are here to stay and it's only just the beginning i think this decade will be the defining decade uh, for cryptocurrencies 
uh, and blockchain technologies uh, going into the future. Um, so make sure you're paying attention. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Uh, definitely check check us out on Instagram. We're at the Good Samaritan Podcast uh, on Instagram. Uh, glad to be back. It's another great new year. Uh, glad to get some more content going for you guys. As you may remember, I have a new uh, beautiful baby girl. So the last six weeks we have been in infant mode. Uh, so I've been a little uh, behind on getting uh, some of my shows out, but got some more great content coming for you guys um, across all kinds of asset classes and, and groups. Uh, my next episode will be on crypto, particularly on my portfolio and some things that I own. Um, not if not financial advice. I'm not a financial advisor, uh, but definitely uh, these are just you know my own personal perspectives and opinions uh, about what's happening out in the world and what you consider uh, to put your money. Uh, but as always, no matter where you are in your financial journey, always take the time to be a good Samaritan. Peace. Peace.